Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast Weekly Sermon Podcast. We want you to know that we're excited about our brand new church facility located on 1331 Cove Road in New Bedford, Massachusetts. We offer three service times for you to choose from. We have kids' classes for all ages so parents can enjoy the service while kids learn about Jesus. We'd love to host you in person, Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Now, here's an encouraging word. Well, I don't know, you know, where you're at right now personally in your life, but I want to bring a prophetic word to you that I believe is happening all over the world that God is beginning to move in the miraculous. God is beginning to bring breakthrough in areas of our lives, maybe that you've been hoping for something to happen and you've been stuck in a place in your life. But I prophesy today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of his word, this is a day of breakthrough. This is a day of awakening and revival for the earth. You know, the Bible says that weeping may come at night, but joy comes in the morning. You might be in a time of weeping and sorrow, but let me give you an encouragement today by the word of the Lord. In Luke 6, verse 21, blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. You will laugh. In Christ, there's always joy coming. In Christ, there's always laughter coming. Wherever you're at today, I pray the Holy Spirit speaks to you deep and lets you know that this word is for you, that you will laugh. And how many can thank God that that you've already experienced tremendous change in your life because of the goodness of God? Come on. You know, we usually come to church in the back end of a tow truck. Isn't that true? There aren't many people that come to church and say, hey, how you doing? You know, everything's great in my life. I'm filthy rich. I have a couple of yachts. I'm as happy as can be. That's not how you come to church. You might be filthy rich, but it's causing you emptiness and heartbreak. You might have a couple of yachts, but trust me, There's holes and those things are leaking. Without Christ, you'll never find true joy, never find true laughter. But in Christ, we have good news. That in Christ, we have joy and we have breakthrough that always awaits us. No matter what position you're in today, God has goodness for you. Believe and hold on to the promises of God. In the Bible, it says in 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made. Now, you got to get this. you got to catch a revelation from this passage of Scripture. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, but listen, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. See, God makes promises. They are yes in Christ. When God makes a promise, he doesn't lie. If the Bible says that God promises us healing, deliverance, that God promises us freedom from oppression, freedom from depression, freedom from poverty, 
you can take it to the bank. But the Bible also says the problem is not the promise. The promise is not, the problem's not God. We have to receive the promise. We have to be those that say, amen. I will receive, I renounce every spirit of unbelief. You know, I love that guy in the Bible that says, you know, Lord, I believe, but please help my unbelief. You know how many times I prayed that prayer? Because I look at the Bible. The Bible says if I had faith the size of a mustard seed, I can say to that mountain, move. Right? So I say, Lord, I need more faith. Because I've stood in front of some, some little hills, and they, they are moving. God, give me faith. Help my unbelief. But God makes a promise. We are to amen that promise. So when God says he heals, we say When God says he delivers, we say? When God says he's the God of the impossible, we say? We receive it in our spirit. And when we amen it, something happens in the invisible world. Faith moves mountains. Every promise is yes in Christ. Lord, help us to amen the promise in our spirit. Because it's the amen. The yes, Lord, agreement with God, faith in his goodness, and obedience to his ways, not my ways, not my thinking. And see, the Bible says his ways are higher than my ways. What I think might be right in my human wisdom is usually not right. I have to look into his ways because his ways are higher than my ways. And when you walk in faith and his goodness and obedience in his ways, living the way he wants us to live, that's what brings you from God's promises to God's blessings. God's promises to God's blessing. Today I want to look at a story in Genesis about a man named Jacob. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis 32. We'll look at this story together. And I believe we have the scriptures and the Bible in the sky, they call it. There's the Bible in the sky. And verse 24 through 32 says, So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overcome him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you heal me. I will not let you go until I'm free from oppression, depression. I will not let you go until you change my thinking to become who you say I am. Not what someone says I am. Not what the world says I am. Not what society says I am. Not what my father said I am. My mother, my uncle, my Aunt Tilly, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. 
Then the man said, your name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, and some people think he was Jesus. Why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. See, God many times blesses you in the struggle. Here's the promise. Here's the blessing. But to get from the promise to the blessing, many times there's a struggle. Many times. I want, I want almost say almost all the time. See, there's always a struggle in life. And what happens is the devil wants you to focus in on the struggle, on the pain. My hip is out of joint. My life is out of joint. And he wants you to focus on the struggle. God has given us a promise, but in struggle, many times you can't see the promise or you forget the promise, and your focus isn't on the promise, and you certainly can't see the blessing, your focus is on the struggle. And you want to escape the struggle, and you want to leave the path from the promise to the blessing, but you have to go through the struggle, and the devil wants to take you off the very path that will lead you to the blessings of God. And that's why you have to stay in the passage of Scripture we read. You have to stay in the amen. The devil's not going to take me out. The devil's not going to take me out of church. The devil's not going to get me angry at God. The devil's not going to take me away from, from people that I know God has put around me to help me walk through the struggle. I'm not going to fall prey to the lies of the devil, and miss my blessing. I have to stay and walk through the struggle for the blessing. And in the time of struggle, the enemy comes and he starts accusing you. See, you think that you have to be perfect. You think you have to do certain things to be acceptable to receive the blessing from God. And we look and we, we look at Jacob, he was a very imperfect man. And what's so interesting about the Bible is God highlights a lot of imperfect people. Why do you think he does that? Why do you think he not only shows David's greatest qualities, writing of the Psalms, a man after God's own heart, but he shows David's greatest failures. Why do you think he would do that? I would, I would want God not to, to, to write in a book that everyone's going to read all my failures. I want to God, have God tell you everything good about me, right? But God puts that in the Bible, and, and even Jacob, he puts this story in the Bible to give us an understanding that God loves you no matter what. God wants to go with you in this place of this world called life. In a place that is not heaven. This is earth. 
Earth has struggles. But in every struggle, there's a promise. You go through the struggle, and then you come to the blessing. You come to the breakthrough. Amen? So here's a very imperfect man named Jacob. He deceived his father, Isaac, to give him the inheritance, the family inheritance. It belonged to his twin brother Esau, who was born first. They were twins. It belonged to Esau. But Jacob wanted the inheritance. He wanted the stuff. He wanted what the family had. He wanted the sheep. He wanted the goats. I don't know if they had cows, but he wanted the cows too if they were there. He wanted everything. And so he deceives his father. The name Jacob means deceiver, conniver. How would you like to walk through life? You say, hey, here comes a deceiver. Here comes a conniver. And we see that this is his name. God, you know, God uses imperfect people. God uses imperfect people. You know, I love reading all the comments on Kanye West. And I just want to tell the Christians, why don't you just, everyone, just be quiet? Because this guy's in the, trust me, he's going to be the struggle of his life. And you say, Kanye West? God's going to use Kanye West? Yeah. He uses Jacob. Come on. But what's interesting, too, when you look at this and you look at the life of Jacob, Jacob got everything, but he got it the wrong way. You can get things in life, but if they're not in Christ, if you don't have the blessing of God upon them, they'll become your worst nightmare. And that's what happened to Jacob. Because the poor guy, his whole life, he couldn't enjoy his inheritance because he was scared to death. His brother's chasing after him. He wants to kill him for what he did. And we'll read it in the passage of Scripture here. So he's living in a constant state of fear and anxiety. He's got the stuff. He's got the goods. He's got the inheritance. But he doesn't have the peace. And we see here in Genesis 32, 11, this is the state of Jacob's spirit. He cries out to God, save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also all the mothers with their children. So here's Jacob. He's scared to death because he thinks his, his brother's going to come and not only kill him, but back then, you know, they would kill man, woman, and child because they didn't want the children to revenge the father's death. So he's in this place. And verse 24, the Bible also says that Jacob was left alone. He was left alone. See, God had to get Jacob away from everything and everybody so that he can get his attention. God will do that in your life. God will do that in our lives where you feel completely alone and isolated because it's usually in that place that you look up and you say, God, I need you now. I need you now. I can't trust in my stuff anymore. I can't trust in my inheritance anymore. I can't trust 
in my job anymore. I can't trust in even my health anymore. And God will use those times to get your attention. He was left alone. And honestly, it's in those times of struggle that are usually the greatest times of our lives. Because it's those times of struggle that you figure out how much you really need God. How much you really need God. And God will use it. The the devil wanted to kill Jacob. But God used his breaking for his making. God will break you, allow breaking to make you. So in this story, we see Jacob's in this struggle for his life, afraid. And what does he do in chapter 32, verse 11? He first prays, save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid. He will come and attack me, and also all the mothers and their children. So that's the struggle. But then he's reminded, I have a promise. In verse 12, but God, you have said, but God, you have said, But God, you have said, this is what I see. This is how I feel. These are all my circumstances. But God, you have said. But God, I amen. I amen. I say so be it to your word, Lord. You gave me a promise, oh God. God, my struggle is big. My struggle seems insurmountable. My struggle seems impossible. But God, you have said, have you ever been in a place where you're so overwhelmed? You're so overtaken by the circumstances, by your emotions. But then a little voice inside of you reminds you, Bible says, God will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. The Bible says that even though I fail, even though I might have sinned, even though I've done something that I'm not proud of, the Bible says that his mercy is new every morning. Father, you promise, God, will you give me your mercy again? Will you give me your mercy again? You know, David, after he committed adultery and he had Bathsheba's husband killed, murdered, David cried out to God. He said, God created me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Then he says, take not your Holy Spirit away from me. He knew that God's Holy Spirit is who does everything that we need in our lives. He needed cleansing. He needed forgiveness. He couldn't earn it. There was nothing that he can do to undo what he did. But he called upon the promise of the Holy Spirit to come. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. 
And so here's, here's Jacob, and he says, but you have said, God, that I will surely make you prosper. Lord, you said I will surely make you prosper. And an amen rose up in him. He started not focusing in on the struggle, on the fear. He started seeing the promise, and an amen rose up in him. And then he said, and I will not let you go until you bless me. You know, so many times people will come up to me and say, you know, Pastor Ron, you know, I'm in this situation, I'm in that situation. And everything that we experience is very natural, right? It's things that we all go through. You know, someone came up to me probably about a month ago. You know, Pastor Ron, you know, in the situation, we've been praying. You know, we, we've been working so hard. We really want a house. We really need a place to live. We really want a house. And the bank's, bank is saying, you know, they're not going to give us a loan. And we were so excited. We have a house. We put a deposit on it. And the bank is saying they're not going to give us a loan. And I said, well, that's the bank. What does God say? God says... Come on. God says, I will prosper you. I have a hope and future for you. We declare that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, the authorities are out of the bank. They're all under you. All authority in heaven says, is in your word, Lord. All authority is given by you. We declare, God, that those in authority, I pray in the name of Jesus that they would have favor on this couple in Jesus' name. We renounce every lie. We bind the spirit of lack. God, you call us to be the head and not the tail. We break every curse of poverty. God, we, we declare that you are able. You are able. You are able. You are able. Well, two weeks later, Pastor Ron, guess what? You got the loan, right? Yeah, we got the loan. Come on. God is able. See, you're struggling to pay your bills. I got a promise in Philippians 4.19 that he will supply all my needs. I got a promise. I'm struggling. I'm not, I'm not going to let the devil win in this struggle. I'm standing on the promise. You promise, God, that you will supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. Your kids, your spouse are rebelling against God. I have a promise in Acts 16, 31, that me and my household will be saved. I'm not going to trust in what I see. I'm going to trust in what God sees. You already sees your spouse in the house of the Lord or your future spouse in the house of the Lord. He already sees your rebellious kids coming back to Christ like the prodigal and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I have a promise. It doesn't seem like your dreams are coming to pass and you feel God's put certain dreams. I have a promise that God in Psalms 37, 4 will give me the desires of my heart. That's my promise, the word of the Lord. Things are desperate to the point of death. You have cancer. You have a disease. I have a promise. I have a promise in Psalm 23 
Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For surely, goodness, come on, will follow me, will cover me. I'm in the struggle. It's dark. I can't see. But there's goodness covering me and mercy covering me all the days of my life. But Pastor Ron, you don't know what I've done. I had an abortion. I had two abortions. Jesus comes and says, don't you remember the promise? Don't you remember the promise that God would send his one and only son to take upon himself your sins? Don't you remember the promise? Will you say amen to Jesus? Will you say, Jesus, will you forgive me? Don't you remember the promise when Jesus turns and says, Father, forgive them. Amen. I receive it, Lord. Amen. I receive it, God. Amen. I receive it, God. Luke 6, 21. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. See, God had to change Jacob's very identity. And this is what happens when we come to Christ. This is why the church is so important. Because every week, your mind is being renewed. Every day, you talk to God, read your Bible. Your mind is being scrubbed. I remember when I first got saved. And people will say, you're being brainwashed. And I say to them, Thank you, Jesus. My brain needs a good washing. Come on. So here's Jacob, deceiver, conniver. And God says to him in verse 27, what is your name? Jacob. My name's deceiver. I'm a conniver. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. It will be Israel. It will be one that, and Israel means struggles with God. I might be in a struggle of my circumstances and what's happening, but I'm going to struggle to grab hold of the promise and make it a blessing in my life. Some of you today, God might need to change your name. I know he had to change mine. When I was growing up, people called me Ronnie. You can't call me Ronnie. <laughs> and when I thought of the name Ronnie, I had an identity that went with my name. Of everything that I was, B.C., before Christ. And I remember thinking to myself, and I didn't even know who Jacob was at the time. I think I need a new name. I need to be Ron. Let me cut some of the old off. You might need a new name. 
Some of you, if I ask you, what's your name? You might say, I am broke. Some of you might say, I'm bitter. I'm angry. I'm depressed. I'm hopeless. I'm divorced. Labeled. I'm messed up. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I'm sick. I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. Maybe God needs to change your name. Maybe God needs to change your name. Because I believe the Spirit of God will come and say, you are no longer broke. You are rich in Christ. You're no longer bitter and angry. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. I cover you by my grace. Now go and forgive others. You can only give, you know, what you receive. You're no longer depressed and hopeless. You're free. And hopeful, you're no longer marked by your past sins, failures, and labels. You're forgiven. And you're no longer doomed to die because Jesus says that you will never die. You will have everlasting life. Amen? You know, um, I'm going to ask the music ministry to come forward. My dad, who's 93 years old, has had cancer for a couple of years. And about nine months ago, he started bleeding and bleeding out every day. And it got to a point where we're bringing him to the hospital and, and, uh, and they have to do all kinds of things on him. And it was torture. And I remember one night hearing my dad screaming as they're doing these procedures on him because he would get blood clots, and, and, um, and it was horrific, horrific. And I cried out to God. I said, God, my dad wants to live. He has all his faculties, has his mind. He's sharp as a tack. And I said, God, you've got to help him. you either got to help him or take him because this is crazy that he'd have to suffer this much. And, uh, and I prayed, and there's no, you know, the first hospital he was at, they're saying, we can't do it. We don't want to do anything. He's too old. Then we brought him to another hospital because he kept having emergencies. And they said, no, we, we can't do anything. He's too old. So I prayed, God, you need to do something. You need to do something. And this is how God hears your cry. Like he heard Jacob's cry. And he heard my cry from my dad. And a miraculous series of events happen. I go online, start looking for uh, surgeons, and I see a name, and I saw five stars next to this person's name. And he was a renowned surgeon, head of brown urology. And so I called, and, um, and they say, well, you know, you're probably not going to be able to see him for at least five to seven months. And I said, my dad's dying. He's not going to survive five to seven months. Can you please you please? He said, well, we can't, Mr. Tamale. It's like, you know, first come, first serve. And so I hung up, and I called. I said, let me see if I can speak to somebody else. And I kept leaving messages. Well, lo and behold, make a long story short, a nurse who worked at the office calls me and says, Pastor Ron, 
this is Jamie. She goes to our campus. Says, I, have you been trying to get a hold of the doctor? And I says, I have. And, she, and I told her the whole situation. And she said, I'll, let, I'll speak to the, uh, the surgeon's assistant and see if we can get you in. She got us in. And the surgeon sat with my dad. Amen. Sat with my dad and uh, looked at my dad. And he says, you're 93? He says, yes. He says, you don't look 93. You look like 80. And he said, you know, age is just a number. He says, I'll go in robotically. I'll remove the cancer. And this whole problem will disappear. He said, you just have to get clearance from a cardiologist. And that was another miracle. But the day that he was being operated on in prep, the anesthesiologist, the head of anesthesiology came in the room and literally was telling me he doesn't think my dad will make it through anesthesia because of his heart. And he's, you know, it's an hour and a half surgery and we don't think he's going to make it, blah, blah, blah. He has this, he has that. And as he's speaking, fear started coming on me. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, start renouncing those words. I renounce those words. I renounce the spirit of death. God, I believe that you've orchestrated all this. I receive the promise of life from my Father. I receive the promise of hope and life from my dad. I want to have surgery. Turns to two hours turns to three hours, all of a sudden the devil starts coming and saying, uh-oh, 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 and I have to resist. When the enemy comes, you have to resist. Then he'll flee from you. Again, no, my dad shall live. You give me a promise. 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 But lo and behold, not only is he alive, he's doing great. God is able. God is a miracle-working God. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. And for more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.